We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, this is Cheryl with my co-host, Robin Jones Gunn. Today, I'm going to talk about... Betsy Stockton. Cheryl, do you remember Betsy? I do. I remember just slightly a little bit when we were talking about um, Kahumanu and some of the other missionaries. And I remember um, she was black, right? Yes. And her name came up. And I had been so curious about her maybe 10, 12 years ago and could not find very much. So when we did that podcast, first we did Lucy Thurston. Right. I remember Lucy. And the first wave of missionaries to the Sandwich Islands, which became Hawaii, which was Hawaii, but... (laughs) <laughs> and then um, the uh, next one about Hawaii was Kahumanu, and that's where Betsy's name popped up. And I went back to work, and oh, what I found out. I love that. Because love now that. there's a lot more about her. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a lot recorded in her own hand, but there's just more little pieces that are coming. So let's start with where she was born, which was Princeton, New Jersey. Oh, interesting. And mm-hmm. she was born in slavery. Mm. 1798. So this is, that's estimated. Her birth certificate wasn't recorded. No, because that's how it used to be, unfortunately. And this was 15 Mm -hmm. years after the Revolutionary War ended. And you have to think about how Princeton was located right between New York and Philadelphia. So it was just right in the middle. So that was a main hub during that time. And even during the Revolutionary War, um, the last six years of the war was it went from 1775 to 1783, eight years of fighting. The last six years, more fighting took place in New Jersey than anywhere else. And that was why Princeton was just becoming sort of a hub there. Mm-hmm. Well, no one knows who her father was mm. because she was part of the Stockton family. Her mother was a slave of Robert Stockton, and in her uh, last will and testament, she described herself as a mulatto. Am I saying that properly? Because someone that's interesting. So her her father could have even been Robert Stockton then. Everyone's sure it was a Stockton because she kept Mm -hmm. that name. She didn't have to Mm -hmm. keep Stockton last name. She could have changed. She never married, but she could have changed her name. So it was somebody in the Stockton family. So then, when Robert Stockton. Um, uh, decided because he owned her as a slave when mm. she was a young girl he gave her to his daughter Elizabeth this Stockton family was so well known in that area because Robert Stockton's cousin was a lawyer and a longtime friend of George Washington mm. he was one of the signers on the Declaration of Independence oh my uh-huh. their grandfather developed that whole area that is now Princeton mm-hmm. and he um, and Jonathan Edwards was one of the uh, right right in there and that, right, that same of, time right. mm-hmm. and the family donated land in Princeton in order to persuade the New Jersey College to relocate from Newark in 1756. Oh, my goodness. Way before right, the right. Civil War, even. So that was where she started her life and was, um, even as a toddler, given, like, here's your, uh, y- you are given to my daughter, Elizabeth. Hmm. And When um, Robert Stockton's daughter, Elizabeth, 
got married, then Betsy went with Elizabeth and her husband, Dr. Green. He was a Presbyterian uh, minister. They moved to Philadelphia. But I just want to pause there and think about what was that relationship? It's not recorded anywhere, but here are these two women. Who are probably half-sisters. Yeah, or cousins or Mm -hmm. nieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, pretty close in age. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just mind blowing to right. us right now. But that right. was how um, Betsy then followed into the the house of this Dr. Green, this Presbyterian minister. They had three sons, mm-hmm. and Dr. Green wrote about Betsy that uh, she was never intended to be held as a slave, but that. Up until the age of 13 or 14, she was wild and thoughtless, if not vicious. (laughs) She always, however, manifested a great degree of natural sensibility and a great aptitude for mental improvement. Mm, So when Betsy was young, she was smart. And when she was young, she was given access to Dr. Green's library. Wow. And in several places, it says she taught herself to read. Other Mm. places, it says that Dr. Green took the time to help teach her along with his other three sons. Mm -hmm. But the youngest son um, was just six years older than Betsy, and he took a real interest in teaching her Latin and really providing Mm -hmm. a further education. So after they have been in Philadelphia and... um, He's a minister, a Presbyterian minister there. Dr. Green is offered a position at Princeton. So they go mm-hmm. back to Princeton, and he becomes the um, president of Princeton University. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth dies, 1807, mm. and then Dr. Green remarried two years later and had another son. So here's Betsy. She's uh, preteen, mm-hmm. not maybe early teen years. And when Elizabeth dies, uh, Betsy is sold for three years of service to Dr. Green's nurse and her minister husband, Nathaniel Todd. Mm -hmm. And Betsy moves to nearby Woodbury, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. After three years of service there, Betsy moved back to Princeton to be with the Green family. Mm. I mean, I just can't even begin to imagine. No. You have no choices of no. what you get to do or where you get Mm-mm. to live. Mm-mm. But then here's when things get really interesting, because God's hand was on Betsy's life for sure. But when Dr. Green was there at Princeton, he started a college Bible society. This society or club or you know mm-hmm. group gathering, they met every Sunday for worship at Nassau Hall, and in 1815, revival broke out oh my at Princeton. Wow. During that time, Betsy went to those worship services in Nassau Hall. In the summer of 1816, she became a Christian mm. and was baptized. Mm. You know, there's an interesting story about Princeton, too, with a man named Samuel Morris, who came mm-hmm. over. You've probably heard it. He came over from Africa. He got saved in Africa. He was a, the son of a chief in, in um, Africa and he got saved it's a total miracle story if we were only doing men worth knowing I would tell this story but he ended up feeling called to go to Princeton as an evangelist 
And he came up in the research. Did he? Yeah, Isn't that because, amazing? Yes, because a revival uh, broke out uh, through Samuel Morris's life. He died of pneumonia in uh, New Jersey. But anyway, so someday I'll talk some men we know into oh, yeah. doing men worth knowing in Samuel <laughs> Morris's story. But you can read uh, the story of Samuel Morris. It's available if you check um, Amazon and just do Samuel Morris. But fascinating story. Yeah, but the way that God prepares a, mm-hmm. a people and a place mm-hmm. and a fellowship in Dr. Green to be prompted to motivate yes. it, and motivated to right. start this special club mm-hmm. or Bible college Bible society. So during that time, Dr. Green manumitted, which is to be to emancipate, to mm-hmm. set free. Um, he chose to do that for Betsy in 1816, and this was after she had come to Christ and was noticeably changed in her mm-hmm. demeanor from what was he saying before? Reckless. He said or, she yes. was wild and thoughtless and vicious, yes. you know. And the change was so evident mm-hmm. that he then— Can you imagine, though, of course she was—can you imagine all the resentment that she must have oh. had growing oh. up like that and oh. saying, look, I'm smart— I, you know, I know that there should be equality here. I, you know, I know that, you know, my mother was held in slavery, perhaps even taken from Africa. So there was probably a lot of resentment. But when she came to Christ, yeah, it was dealt with. Yeah. And all of a sudden you begin to look back and say, even the hard things God has a purpose in. You know, all things work together for the good. Even the hard things Absolutely. to get me to this place. So I'm sorry. Keep going. Oh, no. that's I completely agree because when she was emancipated, uh, there were in place. So this is 1816 and there were gradual emancipation laws in place, but they did not go into full effect until 1825. Mm-hmm. So she couldn't just... Say, thank you for setting me free. I'm going to go do what I want to do. She would be caught somewhere as a runaway slave. Yeah. If, because she didn't have the That's final. Right. It was almost more dangerous, right? It was. It mm-hmm. was kind of Crazy. a tease. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's terrible. It is. <laughs> it just, so much of this research, I just, I found myself just crying. Yeah. Because of that sense of what a loss mm-hmm. of, of our. Dignity, soul, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, right. the na- national soul or dignity. But then, yeah, what God did right. and how He raised up those mm-hmm. who loved Him, and what an overcomer. I mean, what us, oh, yeah. uh, what is spirit like? No, nope. to overcome. I mean, this is amazing, especially when you read in Revelation where Jesus says over and over again, "To him who overcomes, to him who overcomes," yes. and that's what we're seeing life. so far is an <laughs> overcomer. Okay, oh, absolutely. I'm ready for more. Okay, so um, what she decided to do then was to remain in the green household and be paid as a domestic servant. So at least she had some income, right? And a little, you know, a little bit more respect, maybe. But she, it was said during that time that um, she developed her Christian worldview. It was grounded on the premise of the love of God in Jesus Christ for the whole world. Mm. And the conviction that salvation is found only in Christ. Betsy believed with all her heart that it is the sacred duty of Christians to offer themselves in humble obedience to God's call to carry out his plan of salvation through Jesus Christ for the world. This persuasion soon blossomed into a desire to go as a missionary to Africa. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. We did um, earlier Amanda Berry, too. Amanda had, Berry and our Susan Collins. Right. Have both gone to mm-hmm. Africa um, in the mission field. Excellent. Okay. So 
But did she go to Africa? Well, let's find out. What happened was that she started to make her desires known, and it was put down because she's single. She's a woman. She's black or half black. It's just not going to happen. So what she decided to do was to start a Sunday school class. We love this. Anytime Mm -hmm. a woman starts a Sunday school class, God does big things. Yes. Started a Sunday school class for just a few black children that she Mm. knew there in Princeton. And um, she also was allowed to attend a class that was taught by a seminary student. Mm. So she continued to work on her education mm-hmm. as she could. See, um, this seminary student uh, wrote a review of her after she had been in his class for some time, and he said... Now, this is really outstanding, though, that she was allowed to go to oh, yeah. seminary, in a seminary class. One, because she's a woman. Yes. And two, because she's she's black. So yeah. this is this is the Lord opening doors, which it is. is great. Mm-hmm. And so here, what does the seminary student who supposedly knows everything, what did he say about our Betsy Stockton? He said, I have found her to be more informed on biblical topics than anyone I'd ever known. Wow. 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 (laughs) So at that time, she was also described as an extraordinary girl who believed in an extraordinary God. Excellent. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the story about all the women we I like to I know. look at. Mm-hmm. That's it. So during that revival, one of the other men who got saved during the revival was a man named Charles Stewart. Mm-hmm. And he planned to marry a woman named Harriet. Charles was three years older than Betsy. He held a degree uh, in law. He had studied medicine and surgery in New York. And then he came to Princeton Seminary. And when he was converted during the revival, he began to spend a lot of time at the Green Family's Mm -hmm. residence. Yes. So he had that whatever connection, relationship, association with Betsy. And Betsy found out that he was preparing and planning to go on the mission field. Mm -hmm. And since Africa was off the list for her because no one would support her to go, then she talked to Charles and his wife, his bride-to-be, Harriet, um, because they were moving forward to become missionaries to go to the Sandwich Islands, which we know as Hawaii, but back then known as the Sandwich Islands. And so she asked if she could accompany them. Now, right away, there was concern by those that found out that, well, if Betsy goes with them, it would be perceived that he, she is his second Mistress, wife. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or that mm-hmm. she's his slave or, mm-hmm. you know, we just can't do that. And a single woman shouldn't go. And she's never had proper training as a mm-hmm. teacher. She's mm-hmm. not really qualified to do anything. However, Dr. Green wrote two letters of recommendation to mm-hmm. the American Board of Christian Foreign Missions. And one letter was for Charles and his wife, just praising them. They are ready to go. They would be of great service. The second letter he wrote was for Betsy. Mm. And it was even noted in that letter that she had saved her wages and was wanting to prepare herself to be outfitted for the ministry, for the mission to become a missionary. Wow. Wow. So when Charles graduated seminary in 1821, 
He then married soon after, 1822. And five months later, Charles, Harriet, and Betsy joined, uh, were were ready to set sail to be Mm -hmm. missionaries Mm -hmm. in Hawaii, Sandwich Islands. And when they set sail from New Haven, Connecticut, um, there were 11 other missionaries and four Hawaiians that set sail. Now, I've got to ask you this. Do you know their route? I mean, you would say to, to sail from the West Coast is great, but to sail all the way, did they have to go um, past the Straits of Gibraltar? Not Gibraltar, but what they do, th- this particular one, there have been different routes that the missionaries uh-huh. have taken. The 118 missionaries that sail mm-hmm. to the Hawaiian Islands, They um, this trip. Oh, wait, Straits a, of Gibraltar. I'm sorry, that's Spain. I'm yes, trying yes. to think of like what you call yeah. uh, Straits, Straits of Magellan. Magellan yep. Tierra del Fuego, yes. that yeah. round Cape Horn is right. what it was most commonly referred to. But um, this was a little unusual because of the time they sailed, time of year and with mm-hmm. the trades and the trade mm-hmm. winds. And so they went to the west coast of Africa, oh, which wow. was, you know, Ghana and mm-hmm. then uh, angled back to Brazil. Mm-hmm. And then back down around Cape Horn. It took five months oh, yeah. to get there. Wow. So when they were... I've heard the Straits of Magellan, though, could be awfully rough, too, oh, depending on the time well, that we they were will, sailing. You'll find all oh, of Oh, there yes. we are. Okay. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Yes. And that's part of what... Uh, it really endeared me to Betsy, how you could be so terrified just anticipating that. But I'll read you some little excerpts from her journal. It's mm-hmm. just amazing. When she... Um, set sail with the Stuarts, that's uh, Charles and Harriet. Mm-hmm. Um, Harriet was pregnant when they de- departed. Mm. Both she and Betsy were just 24 years old. Wow. So you think wow. about our young people today, and we send them off mm-hmm. on airplanes to mm-hmm. minister around the world, and here they are, this heart for the Lord and mm-hmm. this fervor mm-hmm. for missions. And it was said, uh, it all came out many years later. I'm going to just jump ahead and then we'll jump back into mm-hmm. that. kind. But many years later, when uh, Reverend Stewart passed away, it was said in his obituary that so dreaded was the anticipated trial of the farewell on leaving her sister. This is talking about his wife, Harriet. Mm-hmm. She's Harriet. pregnant. Mm-hmm. She's leaving her mother, her sister. So dreaded was the anticipated trial of the farewell on leaving her sister and aged mother for a life among the savages that Mr. Stewart arranged to spare them the parting agony by taking her, taking her out apparently for a drive from which she never returned until after some two years of missionary life, she was brought home on a sickbed to die. Oh. It sounds like the family never forgave. And that's Harriet. (laughs) Yep, that's Harriet. So I've given you a little preview of what's going to happen with Harriet. Mm. But when it's time for them to go, uh, there was a contract put in place and it was signed by Betsy, by Dr. Green, and by um, Pastor Stewart. It was signed four days before they set sail, and she was identified as, quote, a colored young woman brought up in the family of the Reverend Ashbel Green, and it was noted that she was to be specially attached to the Stewart family. 
She is to be regarded and treated neither as an equal nor as a servant, mm. but as a humble Christian friend mm. embarked in the great enterprise of endeavoring to uh, remediate the condition of the heathen generally and especially to bring them to the saving knowledge of the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. So there she was established as she's not anybody's slave Servant. or But she's not nanny. quite equal either. Yeah. That's not nice. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it, that it has to be yeah. established and signed. Right. Everybody right. agrees. But, you know, of course, probably any single woman would um, have That's that true. same status That's because true. they're a single woman. And, you know, again, the prejudice was not just against the color of a person's skin, but also their sex. So any yeah. woman would probably be saying, well, she's not equal. But well, she's and for not, her you protection, know. too. Right. Mm-hmm. She, she was under there. She was specially, specially attached to them. Mm-hmm. So um, now when she got on board the ship, there were in this whaling vessel that they were mm-hmm. on, there are little tiny compartments, like nine feet by nine feet. And each couple was given a little compartment. Betsy was sort of like, here's some crates and some trunks and just make yourself a little nest over there. But then the captain later gave her a hammock mm-hmm. um, to to sleep in. And also she oh. was, <laughs> I know, she was seated at the meals on the ship with the four Hawaiian natives that sailed with them and not the other missionaries, but they did all receive the same food and the same amounts. And this was a God thing because she had an advantage with sitting with the Hawaiians that she learned the, the Hawaiian language. The language yes. and the culture. Mm-hmm. And it, it strengthened her friendship mm-hmm. from the beginning with the Excellent. commoners. Excellent. And God used that in a mm-hmm. very beautiful way. So you would wonder, here's Harriet Mm-hmm. who, with the parting agony, her husband just takes her out for a drive and mm-hmm. puts her on a ship. But um, Betsy no wrote about her mm-hmm. in her journal. And I need to say here, Betsy kept a beautiful journal while they were on board and um, also in writing letters home. But that um, that was about all she wrote, that mm. in in her 60-some years of life, Oh, I would have loved, she was such yeah. a beautiful and articulate, mm-hmm. wise woman. It would, But there's little pieces that have mm-hmm. been found, and her journal is, is one of them. So um, she said that in the division of the missionary stores, I always have my share, so that I have indeed a double portion of the good things of this life. For Mr. and Mrs. S., Mr. and Mrs. Stewart... Mr. and Mrs. Stewart, give me always a share with them. Mm. The last apple and orange were cut in three pieces and divided between us. The impression that such little things make on my mind will not easily be erased. Oh, that I were worthy of such favors, but I fear I am not. Mm. But it just shows the friendship that's really mm-hmm. bonded there right. between the Stewarts and right. Betsy. And the equality that and they... And how valuable she was to them. Yes, mm-hmm. that they viewed her equal. And and here's Harriet, pregnant. You yeah. think, oh, this little extra bite's for the baby. No, it's no. for Betsy. Mm-hmm. So there was a publication during that time called The Christian Advocate. It was uh, founded by Dr. Green, 
there at Princeton. And um, when these missionary reports or these letters would come in, many of them were published in the Christian Advocate. They were, now again, Betsy and the Stewarts were in the second company of missionaries that were set, sent out to the Hawaiian Islands. Um, they arrived in 1823, and this was two years after that first group set sail with Lucy Thurston that we yes. talked about before. So the Christian Advocate then is publishing these letters. It actually was then published by the Methodist Episcopal Church. We've talked about that before with some of our ladies. Yes, yes. And it stayed in publication from 1826 to 1975. Wow. Isn't that remarkable? Wow, yeah. Yeah, and it included these letters and journal entries from the missionaries. The circulation was 30,000 back then. Back then, and it was estimated to be read by 150,000. So a lot of what we have of Betsy's info came from letters she wrote back to the Green family Mm -hmm. or from uh, this journal on their 152-day voyage from New Haven to Honolulu. Mm -hmm. So here they are sailing, uh, coming around Cape Horn, very dangerous, as you said, Mm -hmm. The captain had sailed that route five times previously, and afterwards he said this was the worst. Oh, my. The worst they'd ever experienced. Oh, my. He told all the missionaries they were responsible to save themselves. Oh, my. If you go in the drink, I'm not pulling you back up. Oh, my. Yeah. So with that, I mean, it was was nice sailing across the Atlantic. They saw whales and... Amazing things. Actually, she talked about when the um, sailors caught a shark, and she said it was struck by two harpoons at the same time, the fish, if we may call it one, for it has very little the appearance of a fish, was so angry that Ugh. he endeavored to bite the man after oh. he was on deck. The jawbone was then taken out and preserved. Oh, my I mean, goodness. This yes. woman's having some adventure. She is. <laughs> you know, I, re- I remember, though, from my studies in school about the discoverers of California and just mm. about how dangerous the uh, Strait of Magellan was and how many uh, ships the, were the wrecked Cape Horn. there. Mm-hmm. Right. It, and yeah, just trying to get around yep. to this very western dangerous. side. Yes. Very, very mm-hmm. Crosswinds, everything. It was, I mean, it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she also said in her journal, if it were in my power, I would like to describe the phosphorescence of the sea, mm. but to do this would require the pen of a Milton, and he, I think, would fail were he to attempt it. Wow. So, I mean, that she yeah. read Milton, that mm-hmm. she knew mm-hmm. that she was trying to describe mm-hmm. this beauty that she saw mm-hmm. on February 7th. So they are just a little more than halfway there, and they're, she, she said, um, we're sailing uh, with all possible speed towards Cape Horn, just as the sun was setting, we were called to witness one of the most sublime scenes that ever the eyes of mortal beheld. No language could paint it. It was the setting of the sun. The scene kept changing from beautiful to more beautiful until I could think of nothing but the bright worlds above to which the saints are hastening. As soon as it was over... And the sun had disappeared. We were assembled on the quarter deck for prayers. 
Here my soul found free access to the throne of grace and rose with delight in the contemplation of that God who is the author of all joys and of all good. Mm, <laughs> what beautiful. a writer. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a tender heart for mm-hmm. the Lord mm-hmm. in the midst of all this. So that was wow. Um, February 7th. Two days later, there they are in the Cape Horn. Rain, huge waves, she wrote. Hail, one continuous gale. And it lasted for three weeks. She said she was thrown across the cabin trying to sleep then Mm. in a hammock. Mm. She was bounced so that her head continuously hit the ceiling. And all were seasick. And then she did say at one point, there was just laughter in all the little cabins of the other mission. Because it's just like, this is ridiculous. This is so bad. laughter broke. Yes. Well, you're thinking about how the trajectory of the hammock. How it would bang and then bang and oh. And if she goes up, oh, has the hammock gone right. this way and she comes right. back to, what is oh, she laughing? Oh, yes. Oh. Unbelievable. But she liked to go on deck during those three weeks around Cape Horn because she wanted to see it and wow. experience it. She said, the sailors were always pleased to see me on deck in a storm and tried more than once to frighten me. But when they found that they did not succeed, they ended with saying... Well, Betsy, you'll know how to pity poor sailors, for we have not been dry since we left Staten Island. Wow. Or Staten Land, which is actually at the beginning of Cape Horn, not Staten Island. Right, right, right. Staten. So the the sailors couldn't frighten her. Yeah. The waves couldn't frighten her. Here we have a description from her journal of how she stayed on deck one evening until 12 o'clock. I was looking at the waves breaking over the ship was one of the most beautiful sights I ever beheld. The water would foam up like a mountain of snow around us and break over the deck, while below it sounded like thunder or like rivers running over us. I could compare our sailing when going before the wind to nothing but flying. You know, you've got to have faith, because if you don't have faith in God, that would terrify you. Oh. You'd be like, this is it. I'm going down. Absolutely. But if you have faith in God and you know the call on your life, then you can look at these uh, tremendous waves and dangerous waves and say, you know what? He's going to get Perfect me here. Example. I'm just going to enjoy the beauty of this moment and Perfect thrill example. at it. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And she wrote home during that time to the Green family and said, I am as happy as I ever was in my life. Mm. And that's on the voyage. Uh, yeah. Remarkable. Mm-hmm. So that is part one of Betsy wow. Stockton. When we come back, wow. we'll find out what happens when they arrive in the Hawaiian Islands. That's amazing. Thank you for joining us, listeners. I just can't wait to tell you more about Betsy. And I can't wait to hear. This is Robin Jones-Gunn. And, and Cheryl Broderson. Yes. yes. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn.